Hi, and welcome to Telepathic TV. This is television that you watch with your third eye. And I'm R. Neville Johnston. And I'm Mary Phelan, and our program is about raising our consciousness. And tonight's topic is finding your true self, which is a very exciting topic. I'm looking forward to talking about it. Oh, there's quite a bit to be said. There's, uh, we'll do that later on. Okay. There's, um, uh, it's not possible not to be your true self if you are never guilty, if you have no fear, the difference between fear and information is the level of consciousness. Uh, never worry because, you know, as the <coughs> uh, Hebraic axiom goes, uh, worry is like paying uh, interest on a debt you haven't received mm -hmm. yet. And uh, what was it, fear, doubt, worry, Guilt. Oh, and you never doubt yourself, yeah. and you will be the authentic you. The irony of the whole thing is you are always the authentic you, in that you are authentic when you have feared out worry and guilt, because that's been very normal for us That's as a race, who it is we are. So if we're chic, we're authentic. Okay. <laughs> and and if, especially if you're very old, mm -hmm. you're authentic. antique. Mm -hmm. or well, I always say antique for uh, antique just for fun so that's what made me think of that yeah yeah but that's true and when we uh, were telling David back back uh, stage so to speak uh, about the topic for tonight and and it being finding your true self and he said oh shields up and it reminded me that that's something good to talk about because we all have that to some extent or in some situations or another that it's not okay to be our true self, so we put up these shields, shields, these contrived things that we think other people are going to approve of based on past evidence. What happens when you do that is you stop living your life and you start measuring your life, and it's a completely different experience. Mm -hmm. If you're measuring, you're not living it, and you're not in the moment, and it's uh, always based in some kind of a fear. So what happens is we grow up like that, and then we reach a certain point in our life where there may be a sense of emptiness or a sense of being dissatisfied and we think it's our marriage or we think it's our job or, or what we or do we or blame. our friendships or, or the, where we live. Yeah, seek to blame. That's very yeah. good. And what it really is is we've gotten so far from who we really are that the emptiness we feel is our, is our acceptance of ourself. It's like we're, we're empty with our, our true nature. And so most people don't even know what that is, let alone how to give themselves permission to let it out. Uh, that's uh, very apparent on the palm if a person is habituated to um, not be themselves, if they are going to be who they think everyone desires that they will be. That's uh, glaringly loud on the palm. You can just sit there and tell. Even a handshake would do it if you knew what you were looking for in the handshake. Uh, years and years we've spent correcting this for people. And it turns out, and we've said this countless number of times, you are simply not committed to yourself. So then how can you be true to yourself if you are not committed to you? And then, of course, the, the whine, whine from the herd. Um, isn't that being selfish? Isn't that being self-centered? How can I possibly commit to myself? There would be something the matter with me if I was committed to myself, as though your commitment to yourself precludes you being committed to anything else. 
Well, you know, it just occurred to me how we say committed to a mental hospital yeah. or committed yeah. to the Army or something. No wonder commitment sounds so frightening to us. Oh, it's uh, purposeful. But, but finding your true self, I tell you, that is, in my opinion, the only reason we are incarnated in this physical dimension is to well. find our true nature in the illusion of it being missing somehow. And when you find it, it's like having an old friend that comes back home or the, the prodigal son returning, mm -hmm. whatever that story is. The great irony of it is that you cannot possibly not be your own true self uh, because that is first and foremost loaded into your thoughts as you're going to do anything. How many of you have said the famous, I knew better, I knew better the minute I saw it. I said, no good can come from this. And now look, I've been authenticated by the reality that I live in because I knew this was just not good, but I didn't do anything about it. Now I can sit here and blame and gloat. And blame and gloat is a town in... Um, blame and goat. <laughs> yeah, I think it's in France, actually, where they had a lot of goats I'll and a lot of blame. I'd like to visit there. <laughs> yeah, and they had nothing else to do but sit around and blame and goat. Well, the, it's the men who stare at goats also blame goats, apparently. It was the goat's fault. The goat wanted to be stared at. Yeah, yeah. Well, well the, the true self, really, you're right. We can't be separate from it, but we can, we can resist it for all it's worth. And how you know you're resisting your true self is because you're tired. Having an exchange with another human being becomes tiring. It's because you're upholding identities. Osho um, and Buddha says that you can't really get to your true self, your individuality, through the identity or through the personality. And we or are ego. brought up to have a personality or an identity based on things that we found get us what we are looking for in this external validating world. But when we drop the identity, which to me is not is what people talk about with the ego, dropping that, that persona and finding your real self, then everything becomes livable in the moment. And any part of us that we have cordoned off because we think it's not good or it's evil somehow, it's just because it's separated from our totality. Well, the colossus of this is guilt. You know, in other words, you, you cannot be yourself, you'll be guilty of something because we've been told relentlessly from the beginning of our lives, any original thought that we have, anything that we can possibly do or say or feel is wrong. And so to find out that none of that is true, that everything we do, think, feel, etc., is absolutely correct, and then to actually step into it and to do that. In other words, hi, I won't be at your party. Well, you have to give me an excuse. No, I just won't be there. Well, I cannot possibly handle that. I'm, I'm the host. I, then I'm doing something wrong. I must be doing something wrong. I simply said I won't be at your party. Doesn't mean there's anything wrong with the party. Doesn't mean there's anything wrong with me. Doesn't mean there's anything wrong, period. I just won't be there. Get over it. You know, invite me to a future party. There, now you can relax. I ha I'm not completely condemning you to this... Uh, uh, what is the word the church likes to excommunication? Yeah, from your social. No, none of that. Just I won't be there. I don't have to tell you why. Well, and I think that if you can say that without guilt, then people really yeah. pick up on that. 
the without yeah. guilt. Everything rides on a carrier wave. Yeah. Uh, something real quick before we get too far afield, and then we'll get right back to this. Sure. You said nothing good can come of this, oh, or yeah. only uh, whatever. I am going to set forth this concept for those who choose to do it. And every time something happens, or you get ready to do something, say out loud, only good can come from this. Now, yeah. this is good meaning something that we are desiring or that we would like to harmonize with. Yeah, us. movement forward. Only good can come from this. Okay. Yeah. So, well, guilt being mm -hmm. the thing that is um, the idea of all of us being guilt puppets. That's really who it is we are. There isn't much of the day that you are not acting um, either to prevent being guilty or acting because you are guilty. Mm -hmm. And uh, that is um, or we're guilty in the, past. the absolute sluice gate for your um, true being. You are gone. And that's based on the, the victim mentality. It's based on the idea that you can possibly hurt someone. If each and every one of us, um, what is the word, genitaled up, if each of us got to the point where we're just being okay with who we are and what we do. Genitaled up. Yes, there are <laughs> any number of references to okay. that. Um, but that is the overall statement. Uh, just became, well, authentic, became our true self. And... Um, Admit that we're the only one that can cause us harm. You know, the bungee cord was too long. Someone else measured it. Well, there you go. It was your idea to go splat like that. Oh, but we can blame whoever that other person well, is. Well, it is absolutely true. I know you put this forth in the language codes, but it is such a truth, and, and it's something very observable that uh, what we tend to do is latch on to something quote-unquote wrong so that we can put the blame on someone else so that we don't yeah. have to look at it. And the thing is, is you don't have to blame yourself either. It is what it is. What you can have you to learn blame from? somebody. You're just Guilt handy. is the fog that keeps you from getting the value and the wisdom from mm -hmm. the experience. Yeah. We're constantly judging our experiences, but we're okay with the wisdom we gain from them. It's like a, this beautiful horse brought you something, and you say, oh, I love this. Now, horse, get out of here. I don't care for you. It's, it's a messenger. Our experiences are messengers, and they're, they're divine of origin. Well, then in finding the true you, you'll have to give up being guilty. Now, there's an incredible number of reasons you will not be giving up being guilty anytime soon, and that is the profound belief that guilt is something that's good. Because without guilt, wouldn't people run amok? Wouldn't yes. there just be tattooy gangs... Um, having their way with you because you exist and things like that. I mean, the list of fears approaches infinity. Tattooy genitaled up gangs. <laughs> Gotta watch now, that's out a different them. group. Oh, okay. yeah, they're much further west from here. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so this idea of being um, guiltless, accountable, never says you weren't accountable, but this amount of guilt, like it's 4 o'clock in the morning and there's a do not turn on red sign uh, and there's no other car on the road. And you want to make a right. You want to make that turn. Do you do it? No. You sit there and argue with an invisible policeman that doesn't exist uh, until the light changes by its own volition. But if you had just gone ahead and made the right, you'd have to think about it for simply days afterwards because you cannot get away with anything in the, in the brain that we live in on this planet at this time. But wait, yes, you can you will have to retrain yourself not to be guilty. Now, guilt, the first thing that happens 
we are born capable of self-correction. We just are. We're born that way. But as soon as guilt starts to be tattooed into us, it's two tattoo references, as soon as guilt starts to be what happens in our life, you, you steadily lose the ability to self-correct because at that um, intersection at four in the morning with no other car on the road, um, you, if you were self-correcting, you would simply make a right and not have another thought about it. I just thought of a language codes. Intersection, I-N-N-E-R section, because it causes you to split within when there's an intersection outside. All right, then you could split by making a right at that without... No, what I'm saying is anything where we get into a conflicting thought about, it intersects us as well, and that's what the external uh, thing is. Okay, so to win back our ability to self-correct, to reinstate that property, uh, a very good example we've used so many times, how many people do you have to tell them, take your finger out of the fire? No one, because... (laughs) <laughs> because you immediately self-correct, okay? And um, you do. It's just a given. Now, but not elsewhere, not easily, do we self-correct. In other words, if the Boston Tea Party is an excellent example of self-correcting human beings. In other words, they just uh, tossed all the tea in the bay and said, no, we're not paying your taxes. How about if we do that on uh, the Reston Toll Road? How about if we do that with income taxes? How about if we do that by simply not going along with what we're supposed to do? There was a town in Italy that stopped paying taxes, and the government came and said, you guys have stopped paying taxes. And they said, yeah, what about it? What, are you going to put a fence around the town and feed us? And the government said, well, no, don't tell anyone about this. Keep your mouth shut. Somebody told. Yeah. And that's the thing, and that's because the town all knew each other, and they all stood together. That's what happened with the Boston Tea Party, and that's what is going to happen again. There's nothing you can do about that. It's human nature to self-correct, and it doesn't matter how taken away from you it is. It it is our nature to self-correct. Okay. And tyranny, you it's have It's my to nature, it's your nature, it's all of our natures. Yeah, and um, to stand up true. to the tyrant is um, our nature. But I think even perhaps just another... Uh, angle on that about the term self-correcting is to see that we're never wrong and there's growth um, that because we really don't require a policing of any sort I know we're brought up with that basic foundation that's just another angle on it I hear what you're saying also if we have to push um, there, there are those social changes like what you're talking about about people collectively making a change. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is when we are in, internally denying who we really are and we're living up to some other person's standard or what we think we should, quote unquote, be living up to, that we get those rebellions that happen within us. Mm-hmm. And often they happen in ways that they can escape and may not have anything to do with the original uh, repression that's going on. And we may not connect them. Whereas if you allow yourself to um, let that out naturally because you love it, and the thing that restricts it is our judgment of it because we feel that inherently there's something wrong with us. And if not all of us, then certainly part of us, like the little devil and little angel sitting on our shoulder. So there's parts of us that it's like a marble that rolls down the slot and goes into the good bin or the bad bin, 
And it's like, oh, I like this trait about me. I like that. I dislike that about me. And after a while, we're really of two minds. We're a completely split and half polar being. Finding well, your true self so means even the perceived flaws. Everything goes in one big bin and becomes perfect. Or the that is a it. correct answer, absolutely. And the practicality of getting we, the human race, to give up guilt as a way of life is something I'd like to see instated in us, that we begin, I, this, we begin this self-correction, absolutely. We just stop. In other words, with self-correction, the sign says no turn on red, yet it's four in the morning. The sign was meant for rush hour. It's not meant for four in the morning. So as someone who self-corrects, oh, well, that does not apply at this time. Now, if the sign said does not apply to you or does not apply at four in the morning, yeah. yeah, well, that's then, flexibility, and that is another yeah. word that what you're talking about is being f- flexible well, with rules. Self-correcting, the idea of being able to see the bigger picture, which is something you're not allowed to do. That would be the second thing that so guilt takes away from you is the ability well. to see the bigger picture. That's just yanked because the guilty picture is so very, I very, understand. very small. Well, it's like the uh, authorized vehicles only. Neville and I were driving down 66 one time. I was driving, and the traffic was completely stopped, and there was a turnaround, and I was going to go around and go a back way that I knew, and it said, authorized vehicles only. And Neville says, well, authorize yourself. (laughs) And what that showed is that we do defer to these authority figures. Nobody, well, I'm not going to say nobody, because that's not true. Most people never really grow up. We may leave our parents home and we take them, remove them as those authority figures, but then we put it on our minister or priest or our boss or our bank. We never get rid of our Or a credit card company or something. And it's really a matter of getting back to authoring your own life. But you've got to know who that is. And some ways, I mean, I, I think it would be important to present some ways that people can find out who the true self is. And I would say one of the first uh, tests, let's say, um, measurements of that uh, as far as a clue so that you can start looking in the right direction is what is easy for you to do and what is funded with your energy and your love. Your very first thought in this situation will be the authentic, the true you. It will be every time. Then within a moment, doubt or fear or guilt or worry yeah. will counterfeit itself as your probable method of operation. In other words, there's someone that is interesting, I'll go and talk to them. Ah, but what if? And it's all gone. There's no more you. And so um, we go through a period in our development where we um, counterfeit ourselves into something that we feel is attractive, well, in a fairly normal way. You know, if, if I'm wearing this clothing or I have this look or etc., etc., but that's not truly who we are. The true who we are is in the eyes. One of the biggest counterfeiting things that we love to do is hang a credential on the wall. A credential is um, something that is not actually you, something someone else said about you. It's like A proof that somebody else approved of you. Yeah, and then therefore other people approve of you. And while each of us have a PhD, we, I would never say this. I would never put it after my name. And I have besides, a PhD. I spell it. Yeah, you do. I do, yeah. but I don't and write that after my anywhere, name. Anywhere, ever. Don't Unless want anyone I'm playing to doctor know that. with somebody, and yeah. then, I, then I 
call myself Dr. Mary. Yeah, yeah. But I wouldn't want anyone to know that because it would, in my mind, keep me from being an equal to the other person. And even if they have a PhD, and the last thing I want to hear is somebody has, remember Mary Albright, PhD? Dr. Mary Albright. On her credit card. She had PhD on her credit card. That is as insane, okay. insane well, as it gets. I hear you. I hear yeah. you very much. And, but I would like to present a distinction here. Because so much we quiet ourselves because we feel guilty for being everything that we are. And we feel guilty about being powerful and completing something. And that's quite a big thing to uh, earn yourself a, a PhD or whatever. And I, I don't feel it's really a matter of hiding it necessarily. I'm not... I'm going to get to where I agree with you in just a moment, but I, I don't feel that there, it would be in our best interest not to have a charge about it in either way. It just is. And if it comes out, it is. We can, whatever makes us feel good about that quality. But where you're, what you're talking about, it's so true that everybody hides behind it as if that's their validity. And what happens is you get less valid within yourself, and then there has to be more... Uh, feedback no, or some kind of thing coming in. And if it's not a PhD, maybe it's a, your title at work or your status in, as being your married. Bank account or, or your gene message or exactly. your uh, yeah. clothing designer or the, all of these other things that is not. There's one and only one place. Well, actually, there's two. Well, all right, fine, there's three. Two but and three that's, only. Yeah, the, where you recognize the other person's credentials. If, and that is in eye contact. That's definitely the 3D version of it is when you look in the person's eyes, you know for a fact if they are the one to help you or not, if we were seeking uh, counsel. You know for a fact. The second place would be in the auric field. You can just feel that that is correct. But we are so separate from these abilities uh, that um, uh, for the average person, the average amongst us, that doesn't work because they cannot read an aura they don't understand what eye contact is because it's only been eye contact because someone was angry with you or it's been eye contact in the sincere way that I'm talking about or it's been some form of manipulation, the eye contact. When our politician, no politician specifically, when a politician makes eye contact with the camera, well, you better know that they're telling you what they're telling you because if you don't know there's nothing the matter with it. You know, and, oh, God, what is that? You know, that's, a, that's an imposter. That's the, not what we're talking about, but the actual eye contact, which is where you just know, and there's no way you don't just know. Well, so, mu- so many people oh, there is a uh, way. project forth as a defense mechanism the offensive stance, yeah. which all offense is really defense 100% of the time. Uh-huh. And so they present that so that the true self doesn't come out because there's a shame element. They, feeling like your true self isn't strong enough. But if you look at the things that really bring you joy, and a, a long time ago, I believe it was, you had mentioned on the show to write down 100 things that bring you joy. And I would present this again to everybody. And all, I don't think we ever heard of a single person no, no that wrote did. that down. Yeah. Now, if we said write down 100 things you dislike about yourself, you probably have already gotten it written in your head before I finish the sentence. Yeah. But if you say, what do you love about yourself? One time we had a gathering at our house, like a new moon or something, and Neville said, okay, say something you love about yourself. And everybody got extremely uncomfortable. 
mm-hmm. and and started uh, that having to be the time to use the restroom and all this because it's like well we're not supposed to say anything nice about ourselves well how can you find that part of you and let that come out how can that part feel safe to come out in your care and in your observation if you're going to be so hypercritical of it well number one is to know that you are already in contact perfectly in contact with the true you the authentic you you're already there and within a nanosecond even a shorter amount of time than that you've doubted it feared it thrown it away guilted it out of existence like that so the idea would be to recognize it and then not throw it away and that would be out of self-love being self-disciplined that would be out of the fact that if we don't uh, do this and pardon the if and that when we do this um, it will be a different planet to live on and if it was a different planet to live on people couldn't handle it because it'll be better than what we have and we are so used to being miserable and suffering and wretched and uh, retching and anything that starts with an R uh, that you know this whole thing is um, um, frog soup it's become a mire we are not uh, okay so let's say that we're going to change just say that there is the possibility that I will change this and that is for those amongst us the perfect first step this does not have to continue it does not have to be this way I'm telling you the people that sat around and pulled off the Boston Tea Party I guarantee you that was the first sentence spoken in that meeting this does not have to be this way well I think the objective let's say and I know life isn't about destinations it's really about the the path and the and the path to something rather than being there but if we are having to struggle and create revolutions within us then it's revealing that there is a fundamental belief or perspective that is constricting the flow of our true self identifying that and really healing it um, will liberate you from having to have revolutions revolutions are good when things are constricted because that's how we do clear this opening to get it open but until we go in there and find out what those beliefs and ideas are that we hold and release them and whatever method you want to use to to release that it will be surfacing in another area and I think it can be something as simple or fundamental let's say as saying that we have a right to be our true self and right now we're looking at our true self or the true self we want to present to the world as being this set of good quote-unquote traits but we have to love all of us even the perceived flaws and say okay I'm late all the time I love myself anyway or I don't like to uh, paint the house I love myself anyway whatever that is that you're judging about yourself love it back in so then it can manifest in its complete form yeah you must first accept it before it no longer has authority over you and so our idea of creating an internal evolution Mm -hmm. uh, would be funded with first (coughs) the acceptance of whatever this is absolutely agreed once you accept it then it's no longer in the driver's seat once you accept it there is room between you and it this is back to this fundamental concept of the idea that um, uh, sorry about that 
the fundamental idea that we are um, not the thought, but the thinker, the fundamental concept that that ball of noise in our head is not actually us, but we, because we are built the way we are built, believe that that ball of noise is us. And just to step back from the ball of noise and allow it to be that, then you realize that you are the, the creator of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, a, and another way, uh, or even a higher level than that, is seeing that you're really the uh, experiencer. I think we had this conversation after consciously creating, yeah, which I yeah, thought was during, pretty yeah. I- yeah, interesting. And the, ex- and the experience rather than the experiencer. Well, and then the third part of the Trinity is the evolver, not the evolution. So that's three trinities. Yeah. Well, yeah, the, which is the a very idea. Big flag for me. Well, the thinker or the thought was a mm-hmm. very profound notion. Is that you're the thinker, not the thought? And yeah. then, as we were discussing that, I, I I saw very clearly just the information came that we are really the experiencer, and not being the thinker and not being the thought is a is a great liberation because now you're not having to be something that is designated by some thinker somewhere. And you're not the thinker, which I think a lot of the um, law of attraction type of principles, people are getting stressed out because they feel like, oh, I'm in this position of authority and I'm, I'm, I have all this power. What am I going to, I have to constantly be monitoring everything. And it puts one in the mind an awful lot. But if you look at yourself, it's the experiencer. So you experience the thought and you experience the thinker and it puts you at, in a position of being even larger than it. I'm going to write that down in the blog because there were some other things. And yeah. Once you're the experiencer, you can choose to be an orchestrator, a participant, or a, an observer, and that you don't always have to participate in it, in the thought or the, the thinker, or being the thinker. So we cannot get there through the mind is a very easy way to put it. And where we get there is the idea of going through a bigger picture than we get in the mind. We've always said whatever picture there is, there's a bigger picture. And this bigger picture we get access to, but not through the mind. If you go, I'm going to sit here and have a bigger picture, that's not, you'll become mentally constipated. It exactly my isn't going to happen. Yeah, exactly mine too. I'm just finishing thing, yeah. up on the idea that we don't get there through the mental process. We get there by stepping away from the mental process into the true self, into the idea that it's not, um, it's a very uphill battle to sit there and memorize things and to create that out of the way in which we. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, so this idea of um, simply the great human power is the power of decision. So we decide the upgrade. We decide to become um, free from the trappings that we are uh, enmeshed in in our life mm-hmm. and then to step back from that and that is the evolver not the evolution that is the yeah that's the experience not uh, the well experience it's one of the things that was uh, com- that I was uh, referring to or t- discussing the other day and consciously creating is that when you become the experiencer you're right there on the edge of creation so you're not the um, the thinker or the creator of it or the creation, your, your, the experience of it. And when you're there, you become pure decision, which really is what it's all about. We have power. a call. Yeah. Okay.
Hi, caller. What's your name, please? Hi, this is Mari. How are you guys? Hi, Mari. Good. How about you? Good. Um, you might have to turn your TV down. That might be causing a feedback loop. Oh, okay. Let me just cut it. Um, okay. I was watching on the computer. Oh, okay. Uh, That's probably what That'll it is. do it. So, uh, my question is, is that better? Yeah. Well, no, no but go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Um, well, I was wondering, you talked about how guilt is a big factor. And I was wondering what it is that causes, um, you know, when you feel, when someone does something and you feel sadness or depressed or, you know, like you've done something wrong um, based on their interpretation of whatever your behavior was. What, what, well, that, that specific little facet of it is that you're taking emotional responsibility for how the other person reacts or feels about who you are and what you're doing and that is in and of itself an act of insanity you uh, you cannot be your true self uh, and and be accounting for how other people respond to that feedback is one thing I agree but you must really be this is what I came here to do the Wrights brothers you know came here to build a heavier than air airplane and fly it uh, and then the balloon, the people that ran the balloon, balloon business are go out. Oh, you're hurting the people that are running the balloon business. Balloons will never be the same after you guys in the right. So they go, all right, well, we won't make the airplane then. We'll just sit here and continue to build bicycles. Now, that's, well, that's that aspect of guilt. You can't be responsible for what someone else is going to react to you about. So it's a cousin of guilt. Hmm? So the, the feeling of sadness or just reacting. Well, I think that that's true too, but we tend to give other people authority mm -hmm. over us. And so if, if we have an opinion and somebody else has an opinion, unless they agree with us, what we're really feeling sad and upset about is that we are betraying, let's say, um, just for the sake of the conversation, we're betraying ourselves and letting that other person's mindset and belief about us infiltrate us. How else can we feel guilty when we haven't done anything, even in the uh, 3D world's definition of guilt? I remember one time there was uh, somebody that came to um, events, and one of the things she talked about often was people would forget to call her and invite her to things. So I arranged a group to go out and, and I said, oh, I must remember to call her. But because of her strong program, I, I think, I, I participated in it and I did not call her. And I went, oh no. And I started feeling really awful about that because I knew that she was thinking I was not being caring toward her. And I got really upset and then something in my mind clicked and I thought, you know what? I know I did not have any negative intentions that I did not do that yet. I'm sitting here attacking myself as if I had done something like that. And so I let myself off the hook with that. So whatever this person's feeling or saying about you, if it's making you feel bad, then it's really because it's highlighting somewhere where you already believe that about yourself, whatever you think they're thinking of you. Yeah, so forgive yourself because we are who we are. And sometimes we step on people's toes and sometimes they step on ours. And that's the dance, and that, that's how we learn to dance better, I, say, I think. Yeah, and the whole principle is based on the idea that you can harm another person. 
another person can choose to be harmed, we really have to get out of the idea of taking emotional responsibility for the decisions other people make. Mm -hmm. We've just got to get over that because it's just not the way it works. The whole idea of how can God allow machine guns to exist, that's not God. Some fool thought up a machine gun because he wanted to have the experience of that because he wanted to have the evolution that would come to him because of that decision. That had nothing to do with God. The, the man that um, shoots the machine gun, that fires it, did so to have the experience. And a first person, the person that gets hit by the bullets, made that decision. Made the decision. We have to absolutely love everybody for the decisions they make and then pay attention to what it is that we are creating. Because the idea of victimhood is just not, it's not the uh, dance anymore. It was even 10 years ago, but it's not anymore. And it's becoming rapidly, that's becoming very, very primitive thinking. Either you have free will or there are victims, and they are mutually exclusive. You cannot say that you have free will. You cannot say that you choose everything that happens and that there are victims. It just doesn't work that way. Oxymoron. Okay. Well, thank you, Mari. Are you still there? It's great to hear from you. Yeah. It's been a long time. We'd love to hear from you again soon. Mm -hmm. Even sooner. Absolutely. Call back true. again. So much of um, our reality really is based on that codependency, yeah. where our happiness is based on someone else's and their happiness on ours. It's a big obligation. It's a lot to put on another person to make them responsible for your happiness. Uh, meaning that they have to uh, do something in order for you to approve of yourself. And likewise, it's very exhausting to take on other people's stuff and always following them around and, and, and clarifying things for them so that they can be happy, so therefore you can be happy. And it gets back to that idea of loving yourself vicariously through others. Yeah. And I recommend in the archives watching, I, at one time uh, when I was doing a show alone on, on EFT uh, relationships. It has a lot of these dynamics that I explained in that. And there's a lot more to this as well, but that might be helpful for people because it does, when we have ourselves plugged in and we're in this like uh, field with another person, it really does drain our life force because we're living a life that we have no authority Madeline over. Madeline Kahn in the 1950s, in the, it was set in the 1950s, a movie. Are you happy? Oh, yes, darling, I'm happy, happy, happy. Yeah, I know it was Madeline Kahn. What movie was that? doesn't matter, really. But Clue you know. or Young Frankenstein. Yeah, I think it was Clue. Yeah, it, it had that feeling, Clue. Mm -hmm. But at any rate, yeah, that's, that's uh, kind of the past, the whole concept of the ultimate romance where you um, take responsibility for the other person, mm -hmm. that you're going to rescue them from their own suffering. Yeah. That's just not the way well, that flies. Well, I think that's a, a lower vibrational manifestation of, of love because mm -hmm. we can be here for each other. We can assist, but we have to do it from the place over here and not get mingled up over there because it, it, it is having responsibility with no authority. That can make you uh, get to the place where you're banging your head against the wall. Yeah, really. pay it forward. The other person has to be capable of pulling themselves up Otherwise, it's just dead well, weight. I think when you really come from your center, you can see the best way that you can assist other people. And sometimes you do help them. Sometimes you go clean it up for them. 
Uh, and other times you don't. But you don't really know what's right for that moment when you're doing it as an autoresponder type of an activity based on, oh, somebody is going to disapprove of me if I don't do this. Mm-hmm. Letting go of other people's approval seems like you're alienating yourself or isolating yourself somewhere, but it's not true. Disengaging from that reunites you with your wholeness, and it is through your wholeness and individuality that you find the all. It's not through the external world. And so anything that helps you to get back into your internal world is going to make you larger. We're uh, going to be doing a crystal class coming up, so I brought uh, in uh, this thing, which is um, really brown, isn't it? Boy, that's brown. And uh, the thing about it is that it's a piece of aragonite. And I don't know if you can catch the... There's all these little dancing... There we go. All these little dancing highlights there in it which are the ends of uh, a crystal matrix form. This would be, let me find it, there we go. Uh, Here we go, this is the side of it. They actually look like a barrel almost, like the barrel uh, mineral. So this is the side of the form, and then this is the top, the ends. So the the matrix runs through it like this. Yeah, I'll get to that in just a moment. So the matrix runs through it that way. If it were a little clearer, you could see through it that way but you could not see through the side of it that way. There's a very interesting stone called, uh, I believe, the Philosopher's Stone. Here it is in its uh, a more native Aragonite. form. Aragonite, yeah. Aragonite. And Aragonite. it is the um, stone that uh, sometime when I was in the process of writing short stories, I would sleep with a chunk of this. And it does resemble a piece of the brain in that um, while the neuron pass will have one neuron shoot out, and then any number of other neurons, uh, just one sec. I'm just telling that. Yeah, uh, any number of other neurons can join it at any angle, and so thought becomes yes. this process it of helps combining things into, um, we don't know what, who knows what would come out of it, yeah. other it, side of it. And it helps to organize your thoughts and, and to get some clarity and writing for sure. It's definitely yeah. a writing soon. I have a um, crystal, if uh, I could get the... Somebody to get a close-up on this, or no? Yeah, they're getting... That's a beautiful piece. Well, uh, this is called uh, peacock ore, but what it really is is copper ore. You can see these beautiful colors and some of uh, blues, indigos, purples, and coppers. And this is the tarnish that is on this copper ore. The real name for it is bornite. You can see, I'm just going to turn it around to get you some of that. Isn't that lovely? It's a very, very inexpensive type of a stone that I think is gorgeous. It has a lot of uh, really wonderful energy to it. Um, has the properties of copper. And I'm going to hold up another one here real quick before we do the um, duck. This is lapis in its raw state. A lot of times you get it polished. And I would just say to everybody, there's a lot of counterfeit lapis that's around there. It's dyed howlite which is still a beautiful thing. But um, real lapis has quite a feel to it. And this is the Afghani lapis, which is good for the third eye. Often the Afghanistan um, lapis will have this mica, or pyrite rather, pyrite um, pieces in it. Mm-hmm. So it looks like little streaks of gold. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, wonderful the ancient properties. Egyptians used um, lapis as a part of a device to do interdimensional travel. So there's that aspect of it as well. Well, it's also the very first piece of adornment jewelry ever found. The Mm -hmm. oldest by far is made of lapis. 
And there was and the idea said that, that it came, comes from another planet. Okay, well, we'll continue the... Well, there was the idea that that piece of jewelry was part of another piece of consciousness that allowed interdimensional travel that we can talk about on some other show at some other time. Yeah, I don't know about that. I just know that the oldest one that they found. Okay, yeah. we're in for the duck. There's a steady hand on the duck here. Well, you have to lean on forward a little bit here. There you go. There you go. Duck feathers. I could do that when it's true. I went and bought a, a, a truth detector instead of a lie detector. Oh, I, wanted, I was going to remind you to say that. Uh, I bought a truth detector instead of a lie detector, and it took me a year and a half to realize that it worked perfectly. I think that's so funny. You put that on Facebook, and I when did. you said that, I thought, wouldn't that be lovely if we were being our true self and authentic to ourselves? Every time that happened, this mm. lovely note of music went off. So we thought, oh, that's our truth. And, and then we would dance through life at, in this lovely melody. Well, I got two, two angel cards put together, and it's presence and healing. Mm -hmm. So a healing presence is always around you and working through you and, and in your life. And All you have to do is allow it in. There's a call. And if you're present, you will be healing. That is the nature mm -hmm. of being present. Mm -hmm. Hi, caller. What's your name, please? Uh, Lori. Lori, hi. What can we... What can we do for you? Yes, I was um, wondering. I uh, study a lot of metaphysical things, and mm -hmm. um, and and I want to find out about the law, more about the law of attraction. They say what you think about becomes your reality, and I want to know how I can, you know, make. Um, attract the things that I want in my life. Well, well the, I, I think there's a fine line between keeping it in your mind to attract it to you and be t being t attached to outcomes. And perhaps we could do a whole show on that. Yeah, that's a very easy one to get hung up on because as soon as the only thing that's going to make you happy is X, Y, Z, you'll never see it mm -hmm. at all. Uh, it will be the... Um, well, first of all, the word law, law of attraction... Law implies that it can be broken. If it was axiom of attraction, I'd be far more interested in it. But so long as it's law of attraction, there's an element inherent of guilt that is just not attractive as far as I'm concerned. Now, Drumvelo said, um, Drumvelo's axiom, which we've said so many times on this show, and remains the truth, that the thought creates and where you place your attention grows, now, no one said it was conscious thought. It's the unconscious thought. So um, we really uh, could go on to the next. Why don't you give us an email, and I'll, you can forward it, and um, we can talk more about this uh, at another time. Yeah, I think, I think the, the fundamental thing is uh, hold, hold your personal truth in your mind and not to be fixated on not getting it. Release attachment to not having it is really the key. It's not focusing yeah, it's, on it. You have it's to, to release the attachment and then decide. And it's about a decision, and a decision is a very powerful thing. You have to be okay, okay. with not we having have another it. another call? Yeah. Hi, caller. What's your name, please? Uh, hi, this is Claire. And it's been a while since, we've, uh, since I've called in, but I'm just calling to get a general reading. Okay. 
Excellent. most happy to. Thanks mm -hmm. for calling. Yeah, and, and our last caller, please call in um, with that question next week, maybe earlier in the show. Yeah, Since this is kind of where we do more of the reading it. part, because that really is a good question. We'd like to address that in more depth. Yeah, we'd love to hear the from you. The first card is innocence. Innocence is the, the wisdom. It's like we have an innocence that doesn't have a lot of the wisdom in it, which is great because that helps us to have new experiences and um, it's great to discover things. And then we get to the place of the innocence that contains its wisdom as well. And this is talking about you brought a lot of stuff in with you in this lifetime. And it's a matter of quieting down, stilling yourself, and letting that information emerge up through the silence. And the card is just such a beautiful card. Talking also about spending time near water and letting that vibration of the water step things up. The, the miser, what I'm getting for you from this card is that this lady has her gifts she hasn't known where to lay them out yet and hasn't really felt safe to do that. And now you're stepping into a place where you are more in a position to do that. And so start looking at the resources in your life, financial and emotional, and saying, I've got plenty to give and that there's a never-ending supply, so I don't have to uh, worry about that. Okay. Well, thank you. Do we have another call? Hi, caller. What's your name, please? Hi, Neville. Hi, Mary. This is Carrie. Oh, hi. Hey. How are you? Good. Great show tonight, as Thank always. You. Thank, Thank you. you. Okay, I want a reading, but before that, I want to ask you about what you were talking tonight about resistance. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. And uh, you said there are different techniques to deal with resistance. What would be, you think, you know, one or two techniques to work on, on so we well, can... For me, that's pretty much everything, bottom line, that I do when I do um, healing sessions with people and uh, counseling sessions of different sorts, and that is to make it okay if that were to happen. Let's say you were really resisting the fact that, of, of not getting that promotion, which means you think that you're holding in your mind, I want that promotion, oh, I'm going to visualize it, visualize it, visualize it. But what's really going on over here is I better get that promotion, I better get that promotion, or I'm going to withhold love for myself. And that's what causes this roadblock. So if you say, I love myself and approve of myself, whether I get that promotion or not, my decision, my vote in the universe is that I do, you launch it and let the waitress take the order to the kitchen and not control it anymore by constantly pulling it back. That, to me, is how I get through resistance and project yeah, I have. Um, similar information is slightly differently formatted on a planetary scale. The whole uh, western hemisphere of our planet uh, has the idea that the correct answer is to get out of bed, drink 90 to 100 cups of coffee, drive a Mustang in the passing lane, and get everything done. Whereas on the other half of the planet, the idea of allowing the universe to take care of us is so both answers are correct. Mm -hmm. No question about it. So to merge the two into the philosophy, this would be the ambition we have here. Uh, and that would be to um, bless it if it does and bless it if it doesn't. And we'll go, we don't really have any time in this part of the show. We can um, do this, we could do that as a theme to a whole show. And again, if you want to forward me an yeah, email, I, I, I would 
you know, write okay, that out. Okay, but I think these I kinds of questions is really good to do on the air because yeah, it agree. starts a dialogue. So please do call back with some of these questions. Like yeah, next week and for sure. Please, um, we'd love to hear again. Next week we are going to be doing a show on rewriting your incarnational contract. So I think everybody would really like to come in, and mm -hmm. that does involve some of these topics as well. So I think it would be a really good format. The first card, the past lives can come up talking about past lives, but also about looking at the rhythms and the repetitive cycles that you have going on in your life and seeing what that pattern is. And is there a place that you get to that you always pull yourself back because it's, you may be a little afraid to push past this point? The adventure child always says that we all have that edge of the balloon, like if you stretch the balloon as far as it will go before it actually pops and you can get free from that inner world of the balloon, that you're at that place now, and now's the time to trust and allow yourself to walk through, because once you do, beautiful things really start unfolding. And I, I really feel, and it was coming from that card, and this supports it, that you have such an intuitive sense that you haven't necessarily listened to all the time because of the training that made you doubt that, that the world gives us, um, because it's training us for other things. And start allowing that to come back in because your instincts will always lead you in the right place. So that's a good mm -hmm. thing. Okay. Yeah, very much so. Okay, just a real quick recap, and all this is online. Uh, Neville and I did um, our live shows last night, and we're going to be doing more. EFT Level 2 is this weekend, and if you have experience, you can come in at Level 2. Charisma on the 13th and the New Moon, the 14th Divination Tools, and then the Psychic Development Practicum Series. It's Angels and Guides this coming Monday. Mm -hmm. And we'll go ahead and take the call real quick. And this will be the first time I'm teaching the class on Charisma, mm -hmm. which I've been looking forward to for about three years. Hi, caller. What's your name, please? Or nope. No, no. Not time. All right. So we're allowed out Oh, we can? We can Come. do it? Okay, go ahead. Hi, caller. Hi, this is Marilyn. How, how are you? Good. How Good. are you? It's been a long time since I uh, touched base. I just wanted to say hello and Hi. see if I could get a uh, general reading. Okay, I sure will. It, um, it, we may be cut off. I believe we're down to our last couple of minutes. And but uh, we'll come join us at Ruby Tuesdays if uh, the completion. Just okay. to get that out. Okay. Yeah, speaking sure. of completion. The completion cycle that you've, you're coming from, a big, large completion cycle. So there's a lot of understanding <clears throat> But this means that you're embarking on a new, a new cycle, let's say, a new rhythm. And this one involves getting closer to people. I feel the last rhythm involved you separating yourself to find your identity and now moving back toward the group of people. And that because of some of the, the pain that we all experience in past associations and relationships, that it may be holding you back. Now is the time to open up. And one thing that I really like to do myself, and I recommend this to everybody, when you feel yourself getting suppressed or tense or held back, sit with your hands up like this for five minutes, and you can't really feel that way anymore. And not to go by past pain and let that stop you from stepping into love, because there's, there is love around. Okay? We certainly have been trained to hang on to past pain. You know, the group of us, people uh, will go to their grave not having let go of, what's her mm -hmm. name, putting pigtails in an inkwell, even though that wasn't even in this lifetime. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, I, it's ridiculous the amount we can hang on to trash that doesn't serve us well, and that leaves us with absolutely no room to put up anything new 
uh, to get to the point where we can become uh, a different person than the one that showed up here. Uh, and that's why evolution appears so slow. You know, if we really got into it, we could overnight have developed wings or whatever it is that um, the mm-hmm. next step in evolution would be for us if we weren't so um, mm-hmm. taking up so much brain space with things that uh, happened that weren't happy, happy. Yeah, and uh, happy, happy, happy. I would just uh, recommend checking out the website, telepathictv.com, the archives. It was our joy and honor to take you to the door. And you'll be going through it. So just act like it. Thank you.